0: Like, no, I'm sorry.
1: If you guys make me. fun of Leon Dreidle and I, I still know, don't know I what know. I do wrong there. You stress anytime the
0: wrong I'm, syllable. You say dryle and it's dry
1: Leon Dreisidal. No, Dry. Dry I... Best okay, if you guys are gonna talk shit about me and Bestie Leon, anytime I, I can catch one of you two making a mistake, I am diving on it.
2: too many too men. Too many men. Oh, that's way too many.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Too Many Men podcast. Hope you liked our new intro. As I say that, my co-hosts don't know what it is. I have a little surprise for them coming. So we'll see what you all think. But anyway, I am here with, of course, the stunningly beautiful, the ever style linked and honestly living her best life looking a little refreshed. I feel
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sarah Sivian
0: Sarah how are you
2: oh I'm great Yep on the on the Botox um have an amazing doctor here like it's so cool yeah I just like to be transparent about it I also get it for free if I talk about it so why don't I talk about it anyway love it I
0: push this into your contract let them know all our listeners now know do you need to mention who they are and tell us anything about them
2: um, well, his name's Dr. Tandon. It's Boston Center for Plastic Surgery. He is a Michigan fan, so that sucks. But other than that, very <laughs> great people on Newberry Street. Go see him. 69 Newberry Street. It doesn't get easier than that.
1: Nice. Wow, we're in her influencer era. We love this research. <laughs> she, she's make some always bill. in her influence.
0: She should be constantly. And of course, we would not be too many men, even though she's already spoiled the surprise. Without <laughs> the stunningly beautiful finalist. Again, for fantasy writer of the year,
1: Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm frazzled, but you know it's a week before the, a week and a half before the trade deadline. Like we'll exhale after that. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, let's get
0: right into it. Sarah not only looks beautiful, she is a musician at heart. (laughs) Sarah, what time is it? Time for.
1: Nope. Can't hear it.
2: Can't hear it. Bit new. To- Wait. Turn off. Turn on. Here we go. There
0: it is.
2: Bit News. Yes.
0: And I saw I saw the gifter of the drum Benny Drawbars the other day and he, he said if you need anything else I said we'd love other musical intros so Benny we weren't kidding. We'd love to yeah, have like your- What do
1: we got for the leaps? Can we get a triangle? Can we get a tr- something? A cowbell? Can we get a cowbell for oh us? Oh my god.
0: No we cannot. Anyway time for Bit Oh, news let's start with the scoring race it is just always ridiculous to watch some of these point totals that nhl players put up in a season and this past weekend on sunday nikita kucherov hit the 100 point milestone and he's now up to let me confirm as of this recording 103 points just on a roll per usual nathan mckinnon right behind him at 98 points Connor McDavid at 91 points, although recently those 91 points are not made up of a lot of goals, which is fine because Connor's embracing his assist era and saying, quote, I'm just going to see how many assists I can get. Sarah, of the big three in terms of point scores, Kucherov, McKinnon, McDavid, who impresses you the most in how they're racking up the box score this year?
2: wow the big three and you're leaving out austin matthews we're starting and how does this affect the <laughs> wow. leaves before but i know you're going by points and i know like that uh, yes pure this points has been here, an incredible year for everything and like i don't know i haven't i've been focused you know when you're a writer and you're so focused on the trade deadline that you're not really like you need to start watching the games again but it's like okay i'm just like thinking about trades that's kind of where i'm at but honestly A few weeks ago, it was Nathan McKinnon. I just, I love, I mean, I might be biased because I just love watching him play. Like, I'm not really, I get it with Kucherov and I get that he's the reason the Lightning are where they are. He just is, right? Like he, especially when Vasilevsky was out. But McKinnon, when he takes over a game and wants to be is the best player in the league all around, I just am amazed by some of the plays he makes. I like the hardworking type vibe. Sometimes I don't like the little power play finesse, but like that's a personal preference and it's okay if you like somebody who scores on the power play, but I like McKinnon's even strength prowess and obviously McDavid. It's really, I mean, it's even more like impressive in some ways that he's He's still right up there after his slow start to the season. If you think about it like that, but like, I don't know, McDavid fatigue, whatever, that's not going to impact my voting at all. I think you have to be fair no matter what, but it's impressive the way he's climbed back up.
0: Shayna, of these three, again, strictly going by points, is there one who you think has made the biggest impact on their team
1: thus far this season? Oh my God, that's so hard because, like, they're all doing it in their own way. Like, I think, I think. Kucherov is the most impactful to his team because you look at everybody around him and you look at the difference, even just go at five on five, the difference when he's on the bench versus on the ice, it's not just in goals, it's in outright offensive like domination in his minutes. And I, I love his game. I think he's such a smart player and he doesn't get enough credit for sometimes his playmaking, we think of the shot and you see the, or the smart plays he makes besides the passing and shooting, the stick plays, how he gets possession back or how he will lift someone's stick to steal the puck. For me, it's like the little finesse moves that are, such standouts that i love but it's so hard to pick one because what they're all doing is so incredible like nathan mckinnon's on the ice you can't not watch him he has all the finesse of Connor mcdavid but and all the speed but all the power too it, it's he's such a unique player because of that he has a little bit of everything and when he has the puck on his stick he can just take over games and then you have mcdavid who you somehow are surprised at how good he is every time he goes like it's so hard
2: so I love. You, maybe it really is about the friends we made along the way and the skills <laughs> we acquired along the way, because this season really has been about that. With all of them being different and good at different things,
0: it's yeah. wild to me that you know. To your point, Sarah, if you look outside the top three, David Pasternak fourth, J T Miller fifth, Artemi Panarin who's having a tremendous actual scoring season sixth, Nylander seventh, and Austin Matthews eight. I mean, it's just crazy. Who's not being talked about if you only talk about three, I think.
2: People expect me to clap for Jonathan Huberto, who's making (laughs) $10.5 and has now finally entered the chat with the points per game. Like, I'm not... Look at the the rest of the list. I'm not that impressed yet.
1: And if you (laughs) want to talk big contract underperformers before, like, for me, I've been very critical of JT Miller, I think, his entire career about his limitations and the money he got with that huge deal. And this year, he's incredible. Just this month alone, I think... The goals are like 11-2 for Vancouver at 5-on-5 in his minutes. And he's playing center. They got Lindholm, so he doesn't have to play center. He's better on the wing. And he's still just killing it so much that he's making the case to stay there. Like, that's a player playing up to their contract. If you can do that next year,
2: Jonathan Huberdeau will talk about you, but not till then. It's always interesting what being a center and what being a winger, like, changes each individual player. Like I know Martin Natchez has always said, he'll play on the wing with such a stacked team, but that he prefers the center. And I think sometimes we think players just prefer the wing or maybe they are better at it because it's easier. But sometimes when you're more engaged in the game overall, like you're just more focused, I guess. I don't know, whatever it is with JT Miller, it really is good to see for him.
0: Well, there's your point, leaders, friends. They're racking it up in terms of what they're doing on the ice. Unfortunately, someone who will not be on the ice for the foreseeable future. There were some great games this weekend. One of them was Pittsburgh versus the Flyers. But unfortunately, in that game, Jamie Drysdale gets hit and goes out immediately, favoring his shoulder, which we all remember he's had surgery on before. And currently, the only status update we have is that he is week to week. This is a Flyers team that is already in a really interesting position in that they're winning. I do believe they're still in a playoff spot as of this recording. And they're a team that's also said they're not there yet and might be expected to still sell at the deadline. If you lose Jamie Drysdale, there's already some injuries taking players away from this team. And obviously Carter Hart is away from this team. Sarah, how does this impact the futures of the Flyers for this season specifically?
2: oh my god that was like down boom 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 down the list of like absolutely and the thing is I talked to um Cam Atkinson and Sean Coutier the other day and they're both I'm sorry. Just saying, <laughs> who's, who's that who <laughs> <laughs> cool. I cannot do this myself, my so I, so I need to I catch should... you on it Coutierier Coutierier uh-huh. Coutierier Okay, I do, I get this wrong. I spell it wrong, and then I know oh, the I spell it the spelling of it is, and I is still spell it wrong. It's like no, I'm sorry it if you guys me. make fun of Leon
1: Drysaitel, and <laughs> I, I, I still know, don't know I what know. I do wrong there. You stress time, the wrong I'm, syllable.
0: You say dry, It's Drysaitel.
1: Leon Drysaitel.
0: No, that's especially
1: Dreisaitl. bad because I dry dry. Best, okay, if you guys are going to talk shit about me and Bestie Leon, anytime I I can catch one of you two making a mistake, I am diving on
2: it because mine is so minor. Couturier. Couturier. I still can't even, like, I know, but, oh, God, it's hard. But you know what? We better respect him and learn, especially if he took his time out of his day to talk to me, and he was great. But (laughs) they were saying that it's such a team effort. Like, And obviously, you look at the stats, and it's like each player has similar... I mean that's not true but like you know how it is where it's like there's not one star but connect me is probably the closest thing to that star so losing that is like absolutely a huge proportion of what they're doing then obviously Drysdale, not dry Sidal, is new to the team gelling in and like can't have that and it's just the problem with a team that is so and you saw this with like any of how does this affect Rod Brindamore's teams where like a player would go down and it's like that's the reason you didn't have depth scoring in the playoffs. So you get to think about it really when it comes down to the playoffs. So hopefully all these guys are back before then and it maybe just is a blip right now. Cause it's fine right now to lose a few games, they're in a good position, but that's gonna be crucial in the playoffs.
0: Shayna, does this team being Philadelphia, does this team make the playoffs? And if they don't, is that because they were sellers or because of the injuries or both?
1: I think they make the playoffs because the rest of the Metro is such a mess that I I, I give them the edge of like still slipping in. But if, if they weren't, I think it has to do with selling because they're in such a, like an interesting place right now that... Losing Drysdale strains a blue line. Like, if you sell, now you're down so many pieces, and I think that's going to really hurt them. But you look at injuries to guys like Ristolainen on top of it. Like, I really wondered if that was a guy they somehow could have sold because he's been so good under Tortorella. It's the big physical style that he has, and he's right-handed. Like, a team would have paid for that, that they could have kept Deshaun Walker, which I I can definitely see the argument for doing. You move him and Sealer, but you have Drysdale and Walker in your lineup, like, maybe you're still okay enough for the playoffs. But it's it's so tough right now because this is like the last thing they need it's almost like the hockey world telling them though like these results are nice but stick to the plan it's not happening this year like just stick to the plan and i respect that too they do it it's going to be very interesting i think
0: that uh it would be right for them to stick to the plan long term um, but to manage that is going to be a very very interesting task not just in terms of the transactions themselves but managing that in a room that's been so successful so we shall see. If anyone's up to that challenge, I would I would give it up to the Flyers coaching staff. Uh, one last bit of news, and this is something really cool that just came out that we wanted to amplify. Friend of the pod, Brock McGillis, has been doing a tour of the continent, really trying to deliver a message in locker rooms about equality and bringing awareness to supporting underrepresented communities. And it just came out that he did a talk with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and that was really, really powerful. The video is out there. You can find it if you're looking for it. But Sarah, you you are good friends with Brock. We've all followed his journey and his work to try and open the door for more people who aren't traditionally of the hockey culture. Just tell us about what this talk meant and the work that Brock is doing and how important it is How and how proud we are of him.
2: Yeah, Rock um, and his and Dom Granado have been kind of going around and he's been having this little team of support with him going around from city to city with this hockey tour that he's doing where he's relating to players because he was a top goaltender in the OHL and repl- likes he, he has a real big talent for being able to talk to people in a way that isn't like a lecture, but is getting them to see kind of the, things he believes in and like why it's important to care about the LGBTQ plus community, especially in hockey as somebody who has been through locker rooms and stuff and how he knows kind of how to approach the locker room. But it's like he's been doing this with a lot of either whether it's minor league teams or like a lot of the times it's junior teams. So when he shows up and it's the Leafs, that's a huge deal. Like I'm so proud of him just because he is doing it like no other right now with the way he kind of poured his heart and soul into this project. And he was so passionate about bringing things up that aren't always fun for him to remember about his own life, but he does it because it's important. And yeah, everybody should watch that video, but it's nice to see how engaged the Leafs players were. And I don't know, some of the, you don't ever want to harp on the comments about stuff like this, but the comments are like, shouldn't they be focused on hockey it's like I think mm. they'll be okay they don't spend yes. their entire lives like that's so bad faith like you think they spend every second of their life talking about I hope hockey. they don't and for st- goodness sake it, it, right statistically there's it has to be a gay person in the NHL right now so it's like it means more to that person than anybody else could ever know or understand so I don't know Brock is doing it and he like, it doesn't always make sense for him to do it. Like financially, it's kind of like a labor of love and passion for him. And he's hit roadblocks along the way, not due to himself, but like just keeps chugging along. And I'm so happy that he got to the NHL with the Maple Leafs of all teams, too.
0: It's outstanding. Good work, Brock. Keep it up. Uh, one actually, actually final um, o news. It takes us again off the ice and into the stands. And that is the news out of Winnipeg. And honestly, like, I'm going to just say, like, and I'm in the throes, like you said, Sarah, like, it's such a crazy time. It's really hard to keep tabs on everything. But why this story is a story right now is perhaps the most curious bit of it all for me. Um, But the Winnipeg Jets are having attendance issues, 87.3% capacity per hockey reference. And that's very interesting because this is a damn good team right now. They're in the playoff race. Um, and usually we say winning fixes everything, but Gary Bettman's been out there. There's been all kinds of talk about what Winnipeg needs to do differently. And I certainly don't disagree that you need to have a fun experience for your fans. I've been in many buildings where it can be a loss and the fans great have a great time, or where it's a win and fans are kind of like, eh, you know, thank goodness they won kind of situation. So it is, it does matter what you wrap around the game, but also, again, curious why now with, with this story and, and what's going on there. Shayna, what do you make of the city without an airport and their fans?
1: Well, I saw something that was saying how, like, they don't have a hotel, like, right near the arena, which is part of the reason why they're not getting a draft yet. And, like, that's a problem with a handful of new arenas. Like, Allison, you just experienced it. You were at UBS and your hotel is not very close to the arena because they they haven't built it up yet. So I think having that will help because if you're traveling into town, you don't want it that you have to travel once you get to the city itself. Um, I'm not really worried yet. I do think this is a nice like reminder of anyone who wants to like shit on the southern markets like their attendance is fine and not all teams in prime hockey markets are but you know there's a lot of games in a a season it's really expensive to go to hockey games I think that's another thing and I look at this story and I'm like, that's nice. Can we talk about Arizona's arena situation? I don't want to hear anything else until that's solved. Um, I think it was said that Batman was going to Winnipeg regardless. And then this okay. just happened to be the conversation because he was there. But I am curious. who doesn't if- want to go to Winnipeg in February? Exactly. And there right? you go. Yeah. The, the very kind and courteous commissioner making his rounds. We all got to bow down, you know. But I... I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world that their attendance is down. Hopefully, they can find a way to get it up, especially down, you know, in the spring and into the playoffs. Like I'm sure that building is going to be jam packed then. But um, let there's there's bigger fish to fry first. So maybe the commissioner should keep his attention where it needs to be and figuring out what to do with the team in a college arena with no sturdy plans for fixing that. Sarah, what do you make of the Winnipeg situation?
2: Yeah, I mean. Earlier this week, the Bruins, the Canes, and the Sabres, and there are probably more too, but this is just what I heard, all increased their price for season ticket members by at least 8%. And it's just getting, on it's like, at least that means for some people, it's like a $1,000 more of the package. And it's just like, how do they expect us to keep affording this? So... I mean, I'm, if I'm in Winnipeg and I'm, like, a casual person, I don't think I'm going to a game based on how expensive it is. But actually, I actually haven't checked out their prices. But, yeah, it's expensive. It's just getting more expensive. Um, I also think Winnipeg Jets fans have been in this situation tons of times before where the team is pretty good going into the playoffs. And then it's it falls apart. So maybe they're just waiting for, like, round two. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs>
0: It's going to be interesting. Um, We'll keep an eye on it. Again, I just think this is a curious, and to your point, Shana, there are teams and arenas with much more severe issues. And if there isn't a risk of Winnipeg losing the team, I don't know why we're making a... Why not just say, hey, the Jets are announcing a lot of investment in terms of making the arena experience even better. I don't get it, but here we are. Uh, Let's move on more specifically to some hockey talk And we want to start, this story has been brewing for a little bit. Um, If you've been paying attention, this isn't news to you. Um, But Matt Rempe of the New York Rangers has certainly had quite an introduction to the NHL. He has played, is it four games now? Four games, had a significant fight in three of them, and had a tremendously egregious hit in the fourth of them and after his last fight um if you've seen them the pictures are circulating around on the internet they're for me personally not easy to look at but he's pretty banged up and we were all having a talk about this in our chat that sure it's fun there's a lot of fans who love to see this side of the game but matt rempy is how old and like you've got to worry about your health young man like this cannot be your mo to play four minutes a game every game get into a fight, get your brain sloshed up and you're not making tens and tens of millions of dollars either. Like, let's be smarter about this. Is this a step backward in the game, Sarah? Is this just a player maybe trying to do things differently? What are your thoughts on how Matt Rempe is introducing himself to the league and arguably the support that's coming from around him to steer him in the right direction long term, not just as a player, but as a human being?
2: I know it's so tough because like, we don't personally know the guy and everybody is entitled to make their own decisions. And he's been the instigator in many of these decisions. So it's like, obviously he wants to do it, but, and obviously he does know the risk. Like you're a hockey player who fights, like you've heard, you've been to the seminars, you know, what's going on. But at the same time, that doesn't mean there's no pressure. Like, The pressure, especially when he's only playing these few minutes per game and he immediately is like, okay, I need to fight. Like, I've seen that before millions of times, not millions, but thousands of times. And you're like, that player used to have maybe a few-year career in the league where they can, like, be put out there and everybody loves them, but that's phased out so much that, like, maybe it is nostalgic for people to see and maybe it is, like, a nice little treat for people, but that's, I mean, the picture of his face was really just really hard to see because that's what somebody looks like in the hospital, like, not on ice skating. Like, that's just not great. Like, none of us are doctors and none of us, like, we're being a little patronizing, I think. Like, he is a grown adult and he can make his choices, but I don't, but I... I don't find fighting every single game endearing and I don't, you just look at the league minimum for one year at most. It's like what, 700,000. And then they, if you haven't been in the league in a few years, then you don't get healthcare. Like, and they need specialists, like very good doctors who specialize in things like prevention of CTE and brain and skull I guess I don't know whatever they need for him but like that normal healthcare might not always provide I don't know I don't know his financial situation or his life either but you want to protect yourself over everything like a few I don't know everybody has a line too of how many fights do you want to get in and maybe it's like okay Peter Laviolette sits him down and says okay you've made the team or hey you're not going to make the team so if you want to keep doing this like by all means whatever but like you're not this isn't going to be your ticket onto the number one team in the East.
0: Shana, I, you know, Matt Rempey comes out, makes his debut in the stadium series, gets in a fight. And and we do want to recognize too, there was a cool moment for him when he gets um, his first goal, which arguably he didn't really have yeah. anything to do with, but he has a goal. <laughs> so let's go. They don't ask how, they ask how many. But Shana, I think what frustrated me the most was um, in the most recent game for him, in Columbus, uh, Matthew Olivier of the Blue Jackets just flat out challenges him to a fight before the game. I mean, this wasn't even a fight in response to something else that happened in the game. And and if we're going to get in a situation where it's literally like, trot the show pony out and watch him have a fight, because that's what he does every game, even if there's not a situation. Look, I, I understand and respect and have room for when physicality and emotion comes together to defend an egregious hit or an injury or something like that. But this last one concerned me because, again, it literally was just like, are we going to do this for show? This is what you are. This is what you do. What's your take on the situation? What should happen with Rempe going forward?
1: It's tough because I agree with you on that, especially the Columbus fight. And the thing with it is, like, this isn't someone who was some huge fighter coming into the mm. NHL either. He really wasn't. Like, he's a big guy. Yes. Um, And I get it. You're thrown into big moments the islander game which is the stadium series and national game against the flyers where everybody wants to you know here's four division rivals two of them are huge rivalries so i get that and deliria is there and he knew what he was doing to kind of stretch at the red line and get his attention and you hear the energy of his post game with emily kaplan and it i mean it was a great interview right like you can't not be pumped for him but all that can still be true and I truly hope someone in the organization, I don't care if it's someone in management, coaching, whatever sits them down and goes, okay, you're 21 years old. If the opportunity arises to fight and you need to do it, do it, but you do not have to do it every game. We need you on the ice more than on, in the box. And you've been in the box more than playing. You know, we want to be able to roll four lines and they're essentially rolling 11 forwards without them. And they have to say, like, you have to protect yourself. Like Sarah was mentioning like mentioning the healthcare and the treatment and the risk that he's posing for himself, he's a young player. That's why I hope someone can say to him, like, that energy is there when you need it, but you just need to hit your spots a little a little better. You know, you made your statement, you made your name, but your best value is on the ice. Being out there as a screen and grinding away as the fourth line, like, that's what you need to do. So i I just don't want to see everybody pumped this player up and then the pressure starts building to do that every single game because it almost felt like that's what it was against Columbus and on Sunday night that it was you can't say no to him at this point. look at what you've done already. you can't say no and not fight him for your third streak. you know this is the fourth straight game with the fight you can't say no in the situation you would look bad. And then like we've heard former enforcers talk about the anxiety going mm-hmm. into games knowing mm-hmm. this is what you're gonna have to do and that eats away at people too. so, I hope he has the right support system around him to, to make sure that he knows he doesn't have to do this and that he can protect himself a little bit better.
0: Absolutely. And I think you make one of the most important points above and beyond worrying about the player, which we do, which is the Rangers are currently number one in the Metro, but the Metro is one of the tightest divisions in the league this season. And the Rangers have to fight for positioning. It's going to matter. And they have a fairly challenging schedule coming up, even just in terms of number of games and amount of days, And if you're going to fatigue the rest of your forward core because you don't have 12 out there, like arguably that's doing more damage than any sort of fight in terms of riling up the guys or responding to something. So I hope that this moves forward again. If you want to see fights in hockey, that's great. We're not saying that. What we're saying is this is just kind of walking a line and getting a little too close to it. At least for my comfort.
2: He's 21 and he looks like he should be in the hospital getting treated for like a serious getting hit by a car or something like it's just not I don't get how you can look at the pictures of him like I like fighting I actually do and it's like a flaw of mine but enough is enough at a certain point or like, I like when there's a specific reason but like not just, hey, I'm scared I'm gonna get called down.
0: Absolutely, totally agree. All right, well, we were talking about the Rangers who are top of the Metro. So let's stick in the East and look at how this race is starting to shape up. The playoff picture is starting to come into focus and that doesn't just matter for the playoffs. It matters because teams are going to start to look at this in terms of making the decisions they're about to make in just under 10 days on the trade deadline, March the 8th. So let's recap real quick. Right now in the Atlantic, we have the Panthers, the Bruins, and the Maple Leafs. Panthers and Bruins both tied at 82 points. Everyone else is pretty much behind them with the Maple Leafs coming as close as they can with eight points behind. In the Metro, the top three, Rangers, Hurricanes, Flyers. Again, the top two are somewhat close, but the Flyers have just 69 points. Then if we pop into the wild card race, this is where it gets very interesting. And I'm not going to lie. I'm here for it. Wildcard number one, Detroit Red Wings. I am ready for the Red Wings to be back in the playoffs. Number two tampa bay lightning so we're starting to see a little bit of a slide off again for the second year for the two-time stanley cup winners just a while back and then in the hunt separated by let me do some quick math that's five points the caps what the penguins the devils the islanders and the sabers the east is wild Shayna. Give us your picture of what all these teams, both in the wild card hunt and just outside it, should do. Pick one that you think should
1: go for it and pick one that you think is a mirage. OK, I think the Red Wings should go for it. There are some concerning five on five trends, but I think and Prashant made a great point about this today. We were talking about that pre-shot movement before the goals, that it's not the perfect picture. And, I mean, I'm biased. This is a friend of mine. Like, literally before this podcast, I was writing up something and looking at their numbers. But you see the separation of their play at five-on-five five between offense and defense trending in the wrong direction through a lot of February. And then you see the difference between them getting the saves from Alex Line and the, the, the shooting percentage keeps rising. But I do think it's noticeable, like, as of late, the offensive creation is going back up. And I do think it coincides with the return of Patrick King because they have a more well-rounded top six. But the biggest thing for them is – They have this opportunity that a lot of teams in the playoff picture don't. The Lightning have all this cap space because of the surrogative injury, but they don't have a ton of assets. The Red Wings have cap space. The Red Wings have assets. They have sold for so many years that they're a team that even if it doesn't work out this year and it comes out burning them, it's not like it's a wasted asset for them. They have all these young players ready to come up and join the fold. They have all these draft picks that they've used or still have at their disposal. So why not go for it? It feels like this is a good opportunity just to, Mika agrees, get Get their experience in and get a get in the playoffs, right? Because that just making the playoffs, even if you lose in round one, is something you want your young players to experience. You want to see Cider experience in Raymond and Larkin. So they're the team to go for it. The team that's a Mirage. Oof. Um I, I mean, they're when we say they're a Mirage, like they shouldn't be where they are or they should just can you stop? They're cut not going to Yeah, cut their losses, yes. The Capitals. Yeah. Uh, it's great and wonderful that you're in the mix still, right? But I think it's more, and it's not just a result of the teams around you being bad. Like, the Devils keep squandering their chances. The Penguins have their own issues. The Caps, for me, I look at, and I'm like, this is great and wonderful. Enjoy it. But they need to retool well on the fly like last year. Their center depth is shit. Their top pair is one of the worst in the league. I went through, like, the contender checklist for them, and you see... More red than check marks, every position just about falls short. And no, that's not everything. You can be greater than the sum of your parts. And we've seen teams do that. Um, but they they just aren't it. So I think they're a team that they took that opportunity to retool last year. And I didn't really like what they did over the summer. I felt like there was an opportunity to turn that into something. Maybe this year's the year there to do it. Get those assets and see what you can do in the summer if you want to compete next year.
0: Sarah, same question to you. Who do you think should go all in? They're finally ready to make a push in terms of the wild card teams and who is just not really going to have a good shot.
2: Okay. I oh god, I tried to write an article about this yesterday and I just like didn't write the article. That never happens, but I was just like I don't feel like writing this, but I do feel like talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry editors, but like literally like I've been on such a roll. I was just like I'm I'm writing about the trade deadline not this. But um I think I agree with the Red Wings' take. I feel like what harm does it do if they go for it? I don't think any harm. They're in the experimental era of the Yezer plan where they can see. Even it'd be great to see what they need come playoffs and see how they can tweak that maybe in the offseason. Like this feels like a win-win situation. It's like you might as well. You're in the position. I think – oh, my God, I can't say the exact things. Let me look up NHL standings. (laughs) NHL standings. Okay, because I agree with the Caps, and you know I'm going to say their negative 28 goal differential is, like, miserable for me. I hate any team with a negative goal differential. You're dead to me. I think – ooh, what were the choices?
0: The choices are you've got the Red Wings and the Lightning who are currently in wildcard position and sitting – No, I mean to be – is it just
2: go all in and leave?
0: so okay. yeah, it's it's you're not. This is you might look like you're close, but you're not close.
2: Okay. Um. Ooh. Does it have to be the Eastern Conference?
0: Yes, we'll do the Conference. Oh, okay, next.
2: then I guess I have to agree with the Caps. I just have to because I think the Devils should go. I mean, yeah, it's embarrassing what has happened to them now that they have like most of their talent back now, and they could now they have two people off of the um, payroll they need to go get something and just try it because they were hyped the season. So I'll give an explanation for teams. I'm not putting in and I'll put the capitals and agree with Shana.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's, again, I, this, there's a little bit of just like nostalgia for me, but I would love to see the red wings be back in it. I think that's a great story, even though Patrick Kane plays for them. Um, And the cap
2: and everyone thinks that's the story. Yeah, right,
0: exactly. Uh, and I, you know, the caps, they just this limping along plan, and we've talked about it a lot this season, just doesn't seem to be the call. So we're just gonna have to let them, and I think there's some demand for some of their players too. So why not finally get something back in your cash account that you don't currently have? Um, all right, let's look at the West after a very interesting night that was a big one for the central, where Colorado, Comes in and just rocks, excuse me. Yeah, Colorado rocks the Stars five to one. The Central is interesting. The Pacific is a whole journey in the West, locked currently into a playoff position. In the Central, we have the aforementioned Jets, the Stars, and the Avs. The Stars gaining the advantage there by two points over the Avs. In the Pacific, the Canucks, the Golden Knights, and the Oilers, your wild card position. And I'm going to ask you guys to do the same thing again. Currently holding down a spot, tied. At 68 points each are the Kings and the Predators sitting just outside across a margin of two points, but five back from a wild card position are the Flames, the Blues, the Wild, and the Kraken. Shayna, who should feel confident about their position and maybe do something about it? And who should realize they're not going to be anywhere close come game 82?
1: Okay. I'm going to go... I'm torn on this one. Okay, the team that I'm going to say at game 82 will not be there is the St. Louis Blues. Um, Similar to the Red Wings, while they were winning games over the last month, we saw their five-on-five game suck outright. Um, Great shooting. Power play was finally going for them, which was a problem in the beginning of the year. And their goaltending has been really, really, really good. I think for them, they're in such a tough spot with – their defense like they tried to upgrade their defense which just isn't good but they have all those clauses conflicting each other that it literally stopped them from making the trade they needed to last year with Tori Krug that I think they have to figure out the piece to move to push this thing along and actually get good assets back and I think it's Pavel Buchnevich because you get two playoff runs out of them um so I think I think you have to step back and put yourself in a better position for next year in the year after that because Thomas and Cairo I think are your ideal complimentary stars but i think you want one big game breaker so if you can try to draft them or take someone else's really high-end prospect that's what's going to push you along um so definitely knock them out the team that should go for it i'm torn on two teams here okay um i think the wild are in a place where they really don't have enough that they can step back and retool they sign those early extensions to hartman and felino they have the no movement clauses i think for galagoski and a no trade clause for merrill and those are the guys you would think they'd move so maybe guys like duham they move but i don't think that's gonna thread the needle at all the fact that kaprizov is finally going and flurry controls his future and he wants to stay and that was their big trade asset then you pair it with the fact that they have the most favorable strength of schedule to go the rest of the year in the entire league it makes me think maybe there's an opening for them but Ooh. I'm so torn balancing that with the Kraken because I think the Kraken are in this unique spot. Are they built the way we all think contenders should be? No. But they make that work for them. I just don't think I don't want to see them sell. Like, I like the Red Wings, they don't need to. They're their team, like though you look at the blues, you're like, you have to sell the predators. You should sell if you want to go somewhere. The Kraken aren't that way. That if they end up with a mid round pick, that's great, and wonderful, sure, whatever. But like, Why not go for it? What's the difference to you? You have your picks. You recouped assets year one when you didn't think you were going to make it, right? Like you have cap space. You have flexibility. What if you could bring in that one difference maker, maybe a depth defenseman to round out your roster? Joey Decord is giving you everything you can want and more. I think Grubauer is elevating his game to compete with that. Veneers is finally hitting his stride offensively after a slower year, and he's crushing it defensively why not you know I I don't think that they're totally screwed if they don't so those are the two teams for me and then the fact that you see the Kings kind of slipping if I'm the Kraken that's my like flag of saying you know what why the hell not try to disrupt things for a second year straight Sarah yeah um
2: I (laughs) I want to say get the Leafs or not the Leaf, fuck the the LA Kings um out of the playoffs because I did gamble on them not making it. And that would be like my highest one bet ever because they were in a playoff position at the time. So I will be thinking about myself, but I also, the Blues, yeah, fuck you. Like, I like just can't do this. The Predators, fuck you. I can't do this. I guess I just don't like the West, but like there are se- several teams that I think, it's just because what are we doing here? And I really want to see Barry Trotz do something. I think it would be so interesting just for my own personal like mental. That's a
0: great point.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. what's he going to do? Is he going to listen? Like, what's his direction? Because he's he has such a directionless team that it's going to have his imprints on it. So I'd like to see them leave. That's enough teams to leave, though. Um, I think, I mean, I've said this from the beginning. It's not just because Allison's on the podcast, but I do love the Kraken. I think they are very legit. And it's interesting watching them come together where it seems to be kind of a different thing every game. I love Beniers. Winning the OT against Boston. But like I need a little more from him. I need I need him to if he steps up right now and goes on this like career beginning kind of heater right here and gets the Kraken into the playoffs. I think that would be awesome. Hey guys, I think that would be awesome. Um he can go see. from Maddie Beniers to what's the French team you have for Maddie Benier. Maddie Beignet. I, I hate to
0: <laughs> need him to you? become that. I hate to break it to you, but it was Kyler Yamamoto that won the
1: game. Oh,
2: what it, did – did we think it was going to be Veneers? Well, I think we wanted? thought it
0: would have been – no, it was a shootout goal. Oh,
2: fuck. What am I thinking about? It's okay. I really need to start watching the games he game played, No, he had,
0: he had a uh, – he had the last real goal against okay. Boston in Boston. That's
2: what, okay, that's what I'm yeah. talking about. We were yeah. a little drunk that day, um, and we were watching the game. Okay, and I thought that was the end. Anyway. Um, okay, N- mystery solved, but I I just want to, a new contender to hit because I'm just sick of watching the flames flail around. I'm sick of watching like the blues and the wild f- and the predators flail around. Like I want somebody to come in decisively and be like, we're going to be the next yeah. playoff contender in this. I'm thinking
1: of America's next top model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be the next Western contender. <laughs> yes we need
2: one and they're not here to make friends
1: yeah
0: well i okay so i i uh let's see i think i'm going to take the easy pick but neither of you said it so i'm going to take it which is calgary like what are we doing here like if you cannot go into another deadline without moving the people who do not want to sign with you again that would just be disastrous Mm -hmm. um and it is because of that. And again, it's not because I work for them, but I that's why I'm intrigued about the Kraken. I don't know that they should add per se, but if you assume if you assume Calgary is going to sell, I like Shana's points about St. Louis pot- potentially selling. And if Nashville sells, then I think if Seattle can play the way they can play, I think it'd be interesting to see them get, get there for a second straight year. So that'd be what I would say. So, all right. Okay. okay that's a good take.
1: It's, it's a mild take. It's not. It's I easy. like I like it, though, because we're like, you're looking at the west and the east, and you're like, well, if the flyers sell, if you're the devils, do you buy? Is that your door all of a sudden? Or if you're Pittsburgh, you know. do you say, you know what, we're holding on to against, so fuck it, let's go balls to the wall? If you're the Kraken in the wild, and you see UC you see Soros get traded, or Tommy Novak, or the flames tear it down, you're like, why not? You got you got one shot, one opportunity, you got to go for it. You're yes. going to listen to 8 Mile all day, every day to hype themselves up.
0: Well, let's wrap this one up, my friends. Let's play everyone's favorite game, and it's going to be right on brand with what we were just talking about. It is time for Fuck, Mary, Kill. And Sarah, per our tradition, you are up first. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. You are going to Fuck, Mary, Kill the top defenders on the trade market, and they are Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, and Sean Walker. Go ahead.
2: It's like most random people you've ever heard i'm killing noah hannafin i'm like oh it's just annoying like we hear about him every year since i have been a baby that it's like he's gonna be on the trade market like it's time to trade him like and now his stock has risen like i don't think he's been that good of a player and his stock has risen so much because he's always on the market um i'm gonna marry sean walker i think that could be a low-key good addition to a team um kind of random but like Mm -hmm you always see the random trades working out. Maybe because there's less pressure and there's less of a role to really fit in and you can like thrive, I guess. And then I'm going to fuck, um, oh God, who was it? Tanev. Tanev, yeah. Yep. Okay, we'll take (laughs) them. For like a a bad package, like that could be like a lopsided trade, I feel that could end up working out. Shayna,
1: your picks. I'm going to marry Walker. I'm a big fan of his game. Uh, yeah. Sure, you have the risk. You don't know how it's going to look outside of Tortorella and Bradshaw's system because this is this has been his breakout season. Yes, he's smaller and undersized. But for me, his versatility, I like that Tort's even said earlier this year, he can trust him as a rover. I feel like if you can get that from Tortorella, it's really high praise. Um, he He's the guy for me that I'm like all around. I think you could use him in a top four role and he'll just – solidify your blue line and he has a low cap hit i will fuck hanafin i'm 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 bored of the is he gonna go is he gonna stay stuff like it's been going on forever and the thing with him is like there is i don't want to say there's nothing special about his game but there's nothing that stands out that you go like oh my god he's so good at this like he's good at everything he's a good all-around player and i think he'll be good anywhere he goes um but i'm just like I just want to get this over with like let's see he wants to go somewhere in the us okay send him there who's gonna get him probably gonna be the Bay lightning or the boston bruins like cool let's let's see how it unfolds um maybe in a different system and different environment he'll start popping off and being like so exciting that we can't get enough of him but like i don't know it's just a lot i'm gonna kill tanov i think tanov's a great player uh i enjoy him a lot like he's a great shot suppressor he's excellent defensively his style of play is not something i would ever pay for i like And if the team's going to pay for him, too, he's 34 years old, and then they're going to look for an extension on top of it, I think that could be a mistake. The style he plays is not conducive to long-term success. He gets injured all the time. He comes in and out of games because of it. That's just not the style of play I would try to invest in. I think that there's a way to play shutdown defense without potentially injuring yourself so many times that I worry if you spend for him, it could burn you. If he breaks his foot, game two. And if I'm the Flames, I would have had him in bubble wrap this entire time because of that.
0: Okay. I... I'm going to agree with Sarah. Mm. And it was because Sarah's point about Sean Walker going into um, being the low-key move here. I like that. I like that whole point about context and not having the pressure. Um, And I tend to be a little higher on Tandem than Shana is. (laughs) (laughs) So therefore, I will uh, fuck him and I will kill hannafin because i do agree with shane on this i think the fact that we know that he's got these parameters around where he will go i mean a couple of these guys do but like it's so widely known it's not going to be as interesting so that's why it's boring to me all right my friends that will do it for us for another week the trade deadline is approaching we are watching we are trying to be writing um and we are giving you our opinions both on the pod and online so keep up with us if you're not already, follow us on the socials at two underscore much underscore man on both Instagram and Twitter. We would love to hear from you there. If you have mailbag questions, send them along. We might pop a couple of those in. If you would like to rock some Too Many Men merch, like a burn book, like a mug, like a hoodie or a hat, you can check all that out at too many men merch.com. And until we talk again, we ask each of you to please do something no matter how big or small to make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. We will talk to you soon.
1: Love you. Bye.